And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome to the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast presented by Visa. It is our week four DFS breakdown. Derek Van Riper here going solo. Michael Beller, of course, back from vacation next week. But as we do each and every week on this show, I want to start off by taking a look at the highest totals on the board, looking at over-unders, games that should shoot out. And we have to look at the Rams-Cardinals as the highest on the board. 54.5 is the over-under there. Rams projected as 4.5-point favorites at last glance. Chiefs-Eagles, a big one at 54, Seahawks Niners at 52, Cowboys Panthers at 51 and a half, Browns Vikings at 51 and a half, and I think this is also noteworthy, the Bills have an implied total of 32 in a forecasted blowout over the Titans. So there are a lot of ways to go from a stack perspective. It's probably going to be a very high scoring week in tournaments. So no shortage of options as far as games that you can target as your primary stacks, plenty of secondary stacks to work from, and some games that aren't in that top five that also have some nice value plays sprinkled in as well. Of those big five games, I think there's one that really stands out to me as an easy building block if you're trying to build a cash game lineup or you're just trying to put the simple foundation together uh, for like a single entry tournament and you're going to go ahead and get weird with other parts of your lineup. It's that Cowboys-Panthers matchup. And the main reason why I think that game is is so appealing, with Christian McCaffrey out, when you take an $8,700 running back out of an offense, you have a much cheaper replacement in Chuba Hubbard available. But you've also got more volume likely going to the other pass catchers because Hubbard's not going to take on Christian McCaffrey's functions. It's not fair to expect anyone to just be Christian McCaffrey. We saw it with the Panthers last year when McCaffrey was down. More targets for DJ Moore, more targets, probably for Robbie Anderson too, although I would say the way he's been used or the the lack of utilization at this point 
probably steers you to him more in a tournament sort of build. It's just easy to go ahead and pick your spots in this game. So whether it's Chuba Hubbard as a mid-range running back at 5,900 that you want to play, I think that's viable. DJ Moore is probably the all-round play that I like the most in the Carolina side at 6,600. I think he works very well in most builds. And you can run it back very easily with just about anybody in the Dallas offense. Amari Cooper at 6,000. I think pairs really well with DJ Moore. If you kind of want to go with that mid-range build throughout, it's an easy way to go. And it's certainly not that difficult to get up to CD Lamb if you have a strong preference for Lamb over Cooper. It's going to cost you 6700 on DraftKings to go that route. The other way you can attack it with Dallas, of course, you could pair Dak Prescott with those receivers, or you could go to their running game and stay away from Chuba Hubbard. Ezekiel Elliott coming off of his best game of the season on Monday night against the Eagles, 26.6 DraftKings points, and more importantly, 20 touches and efficient on a per carry basis to 5.6 yards per carry. If you're expecting the game to sort of follow the script in terms of the odds and the over-under, the Cowboys should be leading throughout. It should be another 20-touch game for Elliott. The only real downside, I guess you could say, is the Carolina defense has been very stingy against the run thus far this season. But 6,500 for Zeke does look like a good enough value where you could use him as one of your running backs and then come back with DJ Moore on the other side. The other twist you could consider if you're playing this game heavily, if you're going to use Zeke as a running back, you could run Sam Darnold out there along with DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson. That'd be a nice way to have exposure, probably for, again, a tournament build because of Anderson. And you can, of course, get into some other games to get uh, further differentiation in your lineup. On top of that, Panthers-Cowboys matchup, getting exposure to Cards-Rams is certainly a priority as well. Uh, the price on Cooper Cup keeps going up, 4800 kind of in that Tyreek Hill, Devontae Adams range. I'm not going to talk you out of it, but it's certainly easier to get down to Robert Woods at 5,300. And on the other side, you got Christian Kirk sitting there at 5,300. I think what's going to happen is you're going to see a lot of people chase those $5,000 options on both sides and probably steer away from DeAndre Hopkins, especially coming off of a, a week a week ago where he was really kind of a, a decoy, only six targets, three catches for 21 yards for him against the Jags. But by all indications, I mean, Hopkins was fully practicing on Thursday, shouldn't be as limited this week, so there might be some value there in tournaments if you want to do something a bit different. Both of these teams have some issues as far as running the ball goes, not that they can't do it, but that they split the workloads up over multiple backs, and I think the way those guys are priced, there's just not quite enough there to take on the risk. So that's why so much interest is going to be on those mid-tier receivers, especially. I absolutely could play Tyler Higby at tight end this week at 4,600 if you want to get some other exposure to this game. But I would expect a lot of Cup plus Kirk or Hopkins plus Woods or some other variation of pass catchers, at least being secondary options in this game. It is a little hard, at least for me, to find enough value plays to get to Kyler Murray at 7,800, even to Matthew Stafford at 7,000. But this is obviously a good spot for both of these passing games here in week four. Of those higher scoring games, the one that I'm finding the most difficulty getting into from a DFS perspective is that Kansas City-Philly matchup. Nothing wrong with the Chiefs in terms of how much damage I think their offense can do. Everything wrong with how much you have to pay to make it happen. Travis Kelsey still up at 8,100 this week. Tyreek Hill at 8,000. The value play, if there is one, is Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, and it comes down to trust coming off of a great game in week three. Really nice to see that volume come back. 19 total touches with 17 carries for 100 yards. Uh, two catches, only nine yards as a receiver, but he did find the end zone. 
a 20-point fantasy game, obviously a big step in the right direction. 5400 the price is certainly right for Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, but it's still easy for me to sidestep him even in more basic sorts of builds, especially when you look at someone like David Montgomery for $400 more. David Montgomery is 5800 I know the Bears' offense is a mess, but you look back at the first two games this season, 16 carries in the opener against the Rams. Montgomery got over 100 yards in that one. 20 carries against the Bengals in a closer game in Week 2. Four targets in back-to-back weeks for Montgomery. I could actually say Montgomery's role in the passing game looks a lot more secure with the Bears than what Clyde Edwards-Hilaire has been getting for Kansas City so far. So when I look at the way that game should play, Lions-Bears should be close. I actually like David Montgomery a lot more than Edwards-Hilaire. I think everybody does based on some of the projected roster rates that I've seen for this week. But if you're just kind of looking in that range for your second running back especially, uh, I would definitely err with the crowd in cash games and and maybe consider Edwards-Hilaire an option for GPPs as a pivot to get a slightly less rostered option. But even there, get lower rostered players somewhere else. Take the higher volume option. Take the guy with the better floor in David Montgomery. If you wanted to do something a little bit cheeky, I think maybe you could put Clyde Edwards-Hilaire out there as one of your running backs in a tournament, come up with an eagle stack. I mean, Jalen Hurts providing plenty for us to this point, at least 21.8 DraftKings points in each game so far, and 35 or more rushing yards in each contest. That gives him such a nice floor. 6,900 is a good price for him as well. I think it's a question of which pass catchers would you pair with him in a stack. You could try to get one of the tight ends. Dallas Goddard. A bit more expensive than Zach Ertz, 4800 for Goddard, 3500 for Ertz. You get some punt appeal on Ertz that might actually open up enough salary to go with one of the more expensive Chiefs if you wanted to try and, and pull something like that off. But if you're playing Ertz at 3500 that kind of pushes you to Tyreek Hill since you're not going to really put two tight ends in the same lineup. Um, just a few things to think about. I mean, Devontae Smith, Jalen Rager, you could go two receivers plus Hertz if you want to try that. It might be more of a Hertz plus one and then a run back from the Kansas City side if you want to do something with that game. At least at the time of this recording on Friday afternoon, I don't see a lot of easy paths to get to the $8,000 running back. So that, of course, would include Delvin Cook going up against the Browns. Uh, he's supposed to go on Sunday. Of course, we don't know for sure. He's questionable. Uh, we'll get an idea about 90 minutes before kickoff. That group also includes Derrick Henry. Titans' big favorites over the Jets could be a huge Derrick Henry week because both A.J. Brown and Julio Jones are out for the Titans, but if you're trying to make something work from Browns Vikings, Odell Beckham Jr. is a good place to start. First game back for him from the ACL injury last week, five catches for 77 yards, also had a carry for 10 yards, nine targets. This game should be close, should be high scoring. I don't think the Vikings secondary is going to have a lot of answers for Beckham and company. 5,800 seems like it's going to be a lower end price for Beckham if he's going to be a nine-target-per-game player. And, of course, Jarvis Landry's on IR, so I think that actually brings the ceiling up for Beckham quite a bit in the short term as well. As far as your running it back option from the Minnesota offense, I think Adam Thielen at 6,800 is my preferred play. Nothing wrong with Justin Jefferson at 7,300. Again, I felt like money was tight as I was building rosters at the end of this week. We'll see if something changes between now and kickoff on Sunday, but I think that Thielen-Beckham combo could be a nice secondary combination from this matchup. The Seattle-San Francisco matchup, another possible shootout. Kind of interesting because George Kittle Very questionable going into the weekend. Kyle Shanahan said they should have a better idea on Saturday if Kittle will be available on Sunday. So maybe we get some advanced clarity. If Kittle doesn't go, it does bump up the target floor for the other top pass catchers in the San Francisco offense. 
I get the sense this game's going to be a little bit underplayed, looking at some of the projections over at Roto-Grinders right now. Both these teams have been very generous to opposing running backs so far. Uh, Eli Mitchell should be back from that shoulder injury. Apparently, it's a pain tolerance matter at this point for Mitchell. That just means it's going to be a mess with Mitchell and Sermon. If both are active, it's going to be really hard to get a feel for how much Mitchell can take on, given the comments made about his health this week. So probably a backfield to avoid, even though the prices make sense and the matchup is a good one. Uh, if you're going to play a running back in this game, more likely than not, it's Chris Carson. That would be, again, expecting to shoot out, expecting Seattle to keep it close or to hold a lead throughout. Pretty easy to get Carson into a lineup where you want to run either Debo Samuel out there or possibly even Brandon Ayuk as he had a larger role in the offense, and maybe he'd be among the players getting a slight bump if Kittle can't go this week. So that's my overall sort of train of thought with those higher scoring games on the slate for this week. And I think the other thing you have to start thinking about is if you're playing in tournaments, you know, where can you find some players who have high ceilings who might not be used as much as they should be? Uh, I look at the Seattle passing game. And if you're not going to do the Chris Carson combo with one of the San Francisco pass catchers, totally fine. Uh, DK Metcalf is 7,200. The projected roster rate on him is actually pretty low. We know what the ceiling can be in any given week. He can score as much as just about any receiver on a slate. I think that could be a really nice tournament option as your most expensive player in a build. But I actually want Tyler Lockett to play in order to build a lineup that way because I think that'll keep the usage down for Metcalf. Even though his target floor goes up, if Lockett doesn't play, it just means more lineups are going to have Metcalf in it if Lockett can't go. So keep an eye on the news on Lockett. It looks like he's trending toward playing, but that would be my, my line of thinking here with DK Metcalf this week. One game that didn't pop, of course, in terms of the over-under uh, is the Packers-Steelers matchup. Packers almost a touchdown favorite in that one. The Steelers having some issues running the ball, having issues with the offensive line. It does look like they're going to be a little healthier with that group of pass catchers than we expected earlier in the week. What I'm curious to see is Najee Harris. Is it going to be dump-off city again where he is getting a high volume in the passing game? He's going to be very popular again this week. He's under 7K on DraftKings at 6,800. The interesting play in this game at the running back position is Aaron Jones on the other side because based on projections, uh, it's really more of the GPP ceiling sort of mindset. He could be a top five running back in any given week based on usage. It's TD dependent, of course, but if you follow the the implied total and believe that the Packers are going to put up 26 plus points, Aaron Jones could factor in on multiple touchdowns. If that happens, you're in great shape. Maybe it's a 70 to 80 yard two TD game with a handful of catches at 7,700. He's not going to be heavily rostered. Uh, just an interesting play from a GPP perspective, just based on everyone going after the more expensive backs, everybody chasing Derrick Henry against the jets at 8,800. For example, they don't have room for Aaron Jones. So if you don't want to go to Henry for a tournament build, if you don't want to go to Elvin Kamara, who I think is also going to be a fine play at 8,400. You could maybe go to Aaron Jones at 7,700 and then have a lot of other kind of chalky plays that you feel really good about up and down the rest of your lineup. I think it leads to a question, though. If you're going to play Aaron Jones, who do you actually like in the Pittsburgh passing game? If you're not going to use Najee Harris because you don't pair a running back with a running back on the other side, do you want to go with Deontay Johnson? Do you want to go with Juju Smith-Schuster? Uh, Big Ben just looks like an absolute mess right now, so it's understandable to not want to even mess with this game at all uh, if you can help it. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? 
Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Just from an overall value perspective for this week, seemingly undervalued players. Uh, you look at Jalen Hurts, who I mentioned earlier. I think he's a great option at 6900 if you can't get to that level at quarterback. Uh, Dak Prescott for $200 less, $6,700, he will be plenty popular. Going even cheaper, Kirk Cousins being at home against Cleveland, maybe chasing that game a little bit or at least shooting out. I think he makes a lot of sense at the price as a tournament play. Uh, the problem with the Vikings, as we've talked about a few times on this show over the course of the season, you just can't stack them very cheaply. With both of those top receivers, you have to sort of pick a lane and go with one of Thielen and Jefferson and usually going down to one of the cheaper options uh, whether that's K.J. Osborne or Tyler Conklin as a cheap play at tight end. Uh, plenty of options to bring it back with on the Brown side, though, as I talked about a little bit earlier in the show. At running back, points per dollar for expected usage. Chuba Hubbard and David Montgomery are, are tough to beat. 5900 is the price for Chuba, 5800 is the price for David Montgomery. I would expect at least one of those guys to be in the bulk of cash game lineups that people are out there building and for good reason it seems like good chalk in both cases if you said you can only have one I actually prefer David Montgomery of the pair skipping over to value tight ends for a moment I don't think TJ Hawkinson is cheap but at 5800 I think he pairs very well as a lion you can put into a lineup with David Montgomery and surprisingly it looks like his usage is going to be low again based on what Roto Grinders has right now with a lot of people going after Dalton Schultz, Evan Ingram really kind of punting tight end I think as part of their play to get to one of those more expensive running backs I'm not necessarily on board with that as my primary build for more conservative situations. The most affordable tight end that I really like for this week is probably Noah Fant once again, consistently a recommendation for me. Already down Jerry Judy, of course, uh, now down KJ Hamler, so I just think a few more targets could be going in Fant's direction. I mean, could be Cortland Sutton, Tim Patrick, and Noah Fant as the big three that Teddy Bridgewater is going to rely on in that passing game for the foreseeable future in Denver. Uh, swinging back over to the wide receivers, looking for a little bit of value here. I mentioned Beckham at 5,800 earlier. Uh, if you were building that lineup I described earlier, choosing one of Hubbard or Montgomery, and you wanted to go Hubbard because it looks like fewer people are going to use him, Allen Robinson is going to be ignored this week at 5,800. If the Bears do anything through the air, there's a good chance it's going through Allen Robinson. He's dealt with terrible offenses and bad quarterbacks before, um, so I do like him as a tournament play with people really souring on the Bears passing game, and for good reason right now. I also wouldn't be surprised if Marquise Brown at 5,400 bounced back. That Ravens-Broncos game should actually be one of the more fun games on the slate that's not necessarily going to shoot out the way some of those top games are likely to shoot out. I mentioned Robert Woods as a cheap play in that game between the Rams and Cardinals. Brandon Ayuk having that larger role in Niners-Seahawks. He's at 5K even right now. I think there's definitely some appeal there. Robbie Anderson in tournaments makes a lot of sense at 5,100. Again, you're probably looking for one play from that cluster more often than not, not trying to jam all three of those guys in together. Uh, the punt play at wide receiver that I actually like is Nick Westbrook-Akina, and it's because you have both A.J. Brown 
and Julio Jones out. He played a ton last week when those guys left early. It's not necessarily a good script for the Titans because I don't think the Jets can do much offensively to keep pace, and they could probably just feed Derrick Henry 30-plus times, play against the clock, and you know, win 20-3 to and move on to next week. But Nick Westbrook-Akina, 3,200, does offer some much-needed salary relief at the wide receiver position. We do have Curtis Samuel back this week. I'm just curious to see if he actually gets a full complement of snaps for the Washington football team. 3K flat is a really nice price for him. If he somehow found his way to a half dozen targets, you can be really happy with what you get on those opportunities against a very soft Falcons defense. As we go for this week, the reminder, do not spend up on defense. That means a lot of builds this week for me are going to feature the Vikings at home against the Browns, even if that game shoots out, if the Vikings can pick up a couple sacks, find their way to a defensive touchdown, get 12 or 15 points at a low price of 2500 you're very happy with that. So save as much money as you can on your defenses this week and every week. I guess the next best option would be the Colts going on the road to face the Dolphins. 2700 is the price there. You really don't want to pay up above that 3k price tag for a defense if you can help it because it gives you so many more options with the more important spots in your lineup before i go i want to let you know to check out the athletic fantasy on youtube we'll have a live sunday morning q a that gets underway at noon eastern 9 a.m pacific this week it'll be myself and brandon funston answering as many questions as we can for about a half hour prior to the start of the games at one o'clock eastern as always, if you're enjoying this podcast on a platform that allows you to rate and review it, we'd greatly appreciate it if you took a moment to do that. So that is going to wrap things up for this episode of the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. After the live stream, we are back with you with a quick look at the waiver wire on Sunday night before we have the full recap of week four on Monday. Jake and Brandon are back for that and Beller returns on Tuesday. Thanks so much for listening. <laughs>